In this week's Planet Korea, we continue our occasional series on Korean urbanism with Colin Marshall. Colin is the blogger for the Los Angeles Review of Books and has put out a whole bunch of material on cities around the world. He's shaping up to be really kind of an expert on the subject of urban life and urbanism. We're also joined this week by Yolanta Xu, who is a blogger and photographer specifically of the district where we're heading. It's called Mulaidong, and it's kind of a residential neighborhood in the Yongdongpo-gu area of western Seoul. Now, by daylight hours, Mulaidong has the feel of an industrial district with lots of metal and sparks and heavy machinery. But by night, it kind of undergoes a transformation. It becomes a really unique and artsy place with a lot of those industrial spaces transforming into galleries, showrooms, studios, cafes, and a whole lot more. We took a walk together through Mouledong. Have a listen. Well, Colin, uh, we gave ourselves a break last month and we did an in-studio edition of Urbanism, but now we are back on the streets, pounding the pavement, discovering the city like the road warriors we are. We are checking out Mule, which is, I've, I've wandered through it a few times, but it's one of those examples of rapid and really interesting gentrification, isn't it? It is. It comes straight to the mind and to the mouth of many urbanists here in Seoul. And it has a reputation of being a bit of a hipster neighborhood now, so take that for whatever that's worth. Hipster can be interpreted a thousand different ways. But you ask, where are the interesting neighborhoods, where are the hip neighborhoods, where are the hot neighborhoods for a certain type of to use a Richard Florida term, creative class person, Mule always comes up. Well, I have recruited a hipster of our very own here, a native, a digital native, and a uh, genuine hipster. We'll see uh, what she thinks of me characterizing her as that. My friend, uh, Yolanta Siu, Cantonese-American organic farmer, photographer, blogger extraordinaire. Yolanta, great to see you. Hey, Kurt. Nice to see you again. We've heard your voice on the show before. Um, we long time ago did a story on woofing uh-huh. worldwide opportunities on organic farms and you were packing potatoes in a box and showing me around the farm so you wear many hats Yolanta yeah that's right and I've been in Mule for I would say about a year now I've been in this neighborhood for quite a while yeah and it's an extraordinary neighborhood because it it's gentrifying like so many neighborhoods are but it gentrifies by the hour of day and the season, kind of. Um, you wrote a really intriguing article. Uh, what was it? A few months ago. Yes. And what was it, the title? Was something along the lines a of collective dust. Collective dust, and you made the point of how this used to be, and it still is by day, a hard-working industrial factory kind of district with all of this heavy machinery but at night it's transforming. Can you kind of just re-sum up what, what Mule is and its shifting identity by the day? So when you go to Mule, either during the weekday or during the weekends, during the night or during the day, it's very different. Like during the weekday, like from 6 a.m. to about 6 p.m., you know, all you hear is the machinery and it's dusty and you only really see the factory workers. But come nighttime, come the weekends, you know, there's 
business people, there's teenagers, there's the young hipsters like me. Whether you're a factory owner, whether you're an artist, whether you're a business owner, uh, everybody has a stake in this area and how it gentrifies. And we're going to see at least a, a kind of a sample of that tonight. Colin, let's triangulate first in case you don't know where Mulle is. This is a technically a Gangnam uh, half of the city neighborhood. Yeah, by the literal meaning of the word Gangnam. It is south of the river. So we're a long way from Gangnam proper in terms of culture, but we are south of the river. We are Nam of the Gang. Nam of the Gang. And uh, I guess you would say it's kind of between Yongdungpo and Shindorim. And then on the other side of the river is kind of Yoido-ish. Or... It is. It's an area that people didn't used to give a lot of thought to. If they were thinking of where the places were in Seoul, you had to be aware of. Where are the neighborhoods you've got to know or you've got to go if you're a visitor? This was kind of a blank spot on the city map. And for many, it, it still is. But mm. it's getting to be less of a blank spot in the mind of the tourist all the time. Have you been here much? Have you done much exploring Mulay, or, or is tonight going to be sort of new for you as, as well? Just a few times in the year and a half or so I've lived here, and very often it's because there is an art show here. So it's really in keeping with the way this neighborhood is going. Uh, why have I come here from my home near Ide? Because a gallery is opening or because there's some art event, something like that. I, I haven't come necessarily for the factories. I haven't had to get metal work done, <laughs> but I do appreciate that they're there. And so, as somebody who writes on urban themes and has kind of got the ear of urbanists around the world, what kind of themes will, will we be looking for in Mulai tonight in terms of the global urbanist and the way that they think? This is a distinctive area because it's made the jump from industrial to cultural area kind of in, it's in really one straight jump. Often there are intermediate stages and you can, I can't think of, I was trying to think of comparable neighborhoods around the world. Maybe the arts district in eastern downtown Los Angeles where I moved from. That's, that's close, but this is a very, it's a stark difference. The, the two coexisting halves of this, well, I shouldn't say halves because the industrial part is still so much larger in terms of how many people are working with metal here, how many people are sort of legacy residents and workers in Mulelong. That sort of big chunk versus the artistic slash cultural chunk that is emerging. You don't necessarily see those that kind of stark difference uh, exist simultaneously in a neighborhood. So yeah, that's what's gonna that's what's gonna be really interest me this evening is the extent to which this split personality of a district can kind of be a template for other places in Seoul. You know, can this model be applied to other places where it's a hardworking kind of blue collar place by the day and a place for culture and music and art? by night to kind of bloom. Uh, Yolanta, why don't you kind of preview what we're going to walk around and see? For the first part, we will visit what we call Area 58. So this is an area where the shops and the factories are very small. And so this is the area where um, most of the gentrification has occurred because, you know, most artists and business owners who come into the, this area usually come into this area because they can't afford the rent in other areas. After that, we will go into the Muledon Saga area, where the shops are a little bigger. There's not as much going on, but it's quickly changing, especially on the main roads. And then for the third part, we will um, go into the other part of Muledon Samga, where the biggest spots are. And there is the least amount of change, but there's still a lot of money going in now, um, and they're opening, you know, bars and cafes. Shall we? Head out. Let's go. Indeed, we shall.
Yolanta, it's it's hard to even put into words how this uh, little alley looks. It almost reminds me of Iksandong a bit. We've got a couple of Hanoki-looking houses on one side, and then these sort of concrete brick mini warehouse spaces where you know there's some, been some kind of uh, you know metalwork or industrial facility. And we've reached sort of a dead end in the alley, and there's all kinds of cute little sort of attractive places that people can go. We have a uh, urban design studio, we have a curry restaurant, and we have the backside of one of our Italian restaurants. Um, so it's a eclectic mix of lots of different things and different kinds of architecture. Mm, and it's still ju- it looks like a little tiny alley, gritty to say the least. I mean, but that's one of the things that Moulin people really love, um, that a lot of tourists complain about. It's just this, um, everybody just puts everything outside and nobody really cares about what outsiders think. That's the way to get popular real quick, is not to care what outsiders think, because they think, oh wow, this place must be too cool for me. Then the outsiders come, and then what do you do? (laughs) Then the outsiders form a line halfway around the block, and then you have other businesses trying to look run down and industrial in homage to Moulay Dong. This is the challenge Moulay Dong can be facing soon, or is already to some extent. <laughs> Yolanta, have, have people really discovered this place? Has, has this taken off? Has it exploded yet? I think if you come on the weekdays, it might seem like this is just some sleepy town, nobody knows about it, but on the weekends, the alleyways are completely filled with people. So you guys, there's this already a clue into sort of the identity of this neighborhood, the most random sort of what I guess it's a public art installation. It looks almost like an old-fashioned uh, phone booth hood, but upon examination, it's um, a giant welder's mask uh, kind of thing on a stand. What do you make of this, Yolanta? Well, from what I know, um, these were commissioned by Soul Art Space Moulin. And when uh, the art scene started to form in this area, the government really wanted to pay homage to the origins of this area. And so they commissioned a lot of local artists, and this one's by Chon Gunsong, uh, to especially um, to install public art that would uh, refer back to the origins of this area. Well, Colin, that's a perfect uh, accidental metaphor for this whole neighborhood, isn't it? I mean, uh, even at night, in the black of night, this guy is sawing metal pipes. And the guy's doing this right on the sidewalk, too. Sparks flying everywhere. <laughs> You're walking past bars and cafes, and suddenly you just there's this grinding sound and this shower of sparks. It's almost like a show. I mean, it's, um, it's quite attractive to look at, the, the flurry of sparks. Hopefully you're not uh, flammable as you go by. Hopefully not. This is the kind of thing people talk about when they say they want to keep the spirit of Muledong alive. They don't want it to become a Goroskil. There's nobody sawing through metal and sending hazards left and right on Goroskil. <laughs> We're walking by barrels, rusty barrels of God knows what, too. No, so. sir. <laughs> What kind of corrosives are in there? Let's keep walking. Yolanta, this is a nice uh, coffee shop. You've taken us to uh, see your friend. This thing is about as, 
I guess it's like the size of a living room. It's um, it's a cute little spot. There's a couple of chairs set up. There's a little coffee bar. What's the deal here? So actually, this isn't a coffee shop. This is actually uh, the workspace of one of our local artists. Oh, wow. Um, and he is collaborating with uh, an ukulele teacher in the area to do this project called uh, Filter Life Filter. Filter Life Filter. Um, I just went through it a few days ago. Tell me about uh, your experience. Um, so essentially... Well, you know, you'll get your cup of coffee and then you'll have a conversation with one of our two lovely men and they will ask you about how your life is going, how you're feeling, uh, what's going on with your life, and they will record the conversation. And at the end of the uh, performance, they will put on a exhibition at the end where they will filter all of the conversations through some sort of filter and they will present it uh, for the people of Muledong. Like a sound filter kind of thing? Like a, uh, an audio filter? Yes. Ooh, that sounds cool. So it's like a collective story, a mosaic, a sound mosaic, all kind of put together. You happy with the coffee? I am, you know, sipping it here in this, in this industrial space turned into a coffee drinking space as we hear buzz saws in the background it's a very muledong experience it's very muledown as we we could make that adjective mule muledown muledown it's like mule muledown muledapke <laughs> you know this is going to sound crazy but you know what muledong slightly reminds me of at this particular moment in time where uh, burning man burning man have you been to burning man i have years and years wow. ago it, you know, Burning Man, I don't know what it is nowadays. I think it's turned into sort of a Silicon Valley bro fest these days. But back in the day, it was just this random thing where uh, there were installations, sort of lifestyle experiments, uh, just random kind of art of living kind of stuff. And you could pop your head in and get a little taste of something and have a little conversation. That's kind of what Muledong feels like to me tonight. It's all these little joints where something's going on in these little alleys, and it's, I don't know, it's just a a little slice of life. You don't necessarily need to pay any money for it. You just sort of drift, go from place to place. This is how I envision Burning Man anyway. I mean, I can see the parallels you're drawing here, but I'm afraid of Burning Man now, so uh, I'll never really be able to draw them myself. Will you also play ukulele? Colin uh, Yolanta has uh, moved a little bit up ahead. She just led us, as you saw, through this teeny, tiny, dark, narrow alley. Uh, And I'm not going to lie to you. If this were in the United States, in any major city, that would have been utterly terrifying for me. Especially in a sort of post-industrializing area where, you know, you think of neighborhoods like that in the U.S. as being hollowed out. And they're just where the crime happens, where squats are and squats in America are dangerous. But no, here you get a couple playing with a kitten. You get some nice, (laughs) very nicely dressed ladies uh, in, in their 30s and 40s eating scones in that a cafe. Was like a, yeah, you, <laughs> yes. That was a little bake shop. Uh, we didn't get it on tape, but we had a, 
Yolanta was explaining it's a, like a little baking club in a space where they used to publish books. I thought it was great. Let's go catch up with her. That was kind of random. You know, but in a good way. This is the neighborhood where random things happen to sometimes be concerts with tap dancing. <laughs> Colin, Yolanta, I arrived at Muledong Curious. I saw little things like the coffee filter experiment and a little crafts shop, and I was kind of amused. But uh, now I have to say my mind is blown uh, by this sort of open tap night that we just experienced. Uh, we, we went there thinking, ah, oh, a little live music. But it was this unbelievably awesome jazz band, and I, apparently every tap dancer in Seoul <laughs> uh, got up there and, and uh, showed what they had. It was fantastic. Improvisational. Fun. What do you guys think? Muledong is not a factory. You know, things are very unique. There's all sorts of different people, and they're doing lots of very different things. So that was quite appropriate. Yeah, that is wild. That is about the last thing that I expected to see. Colin, have you ever been to an open tap night before? I've never been to an open tap night before, and I wonder, you know, I think about this neighborhood as being kind of a successor to the Hongdes or the Dehagnos of, of Seoul. And, you know, post-2005, as we talked about, um, whether they're artists or whether they're businesses that, that couldn't quite cut it with the rents in Hongdae, they, you know, they, they've been coming over here. And I wonder if this is kind of like Hongdae was 20, 30 years ago. You know, after it got its subway station in 1983, it started becoming the Hongdae we, we well, it started becoming what became the Hongdae we know today. The this could Hongdae be, Industrial Complex. Yeah, this is like... Maybe Muledong, I feel like I'm getting kind of the vibe of the Hongdae I was never able to know. surrounded by random cat murals on the brick walls. There's just sort of surprises around every corner. And I, I ask myself if this sort of spontaneity and this sort of small-scale human creativity is sustainable as a business model or whether uh, once, you know, big money, big investors, the, the herd, the crowd gets a whiff of what's in the air in Mule, whether it's going to be like a tidal wave, whether this will become, I don't know, homogenized, is that the right word? Gentrified. Gentrified is a nasty word nowadays, isn't it? <laughs> well, even in the Korean version, we now have gentrification. We don't just have gentrification, <laughs> but I, I think of it this way. Mule don't 
will always exist. It just won't always be in Muledong, and it hasn't always been in Muledong. This neighborhood, what we like about it, moves. We have to move with it. It never stays in one place. It's the role of the, how to put it, the active citizen to find where the Muledong of the moment is. It just happens to right now be in Muledong. <laughs> that reminds me of the three amigos, you know. Your El Guapo just happens to be the real El Guapo. Indeed. <laughs> Yolanta, thanks a lot for showing us this place. Um, if we were to do a Muledong uh, part two, encore, the sequel, would would there be more stuff to see here? I mean, are there still some surprises that you uh, haven't pulled out of the, the deck of cards? Oh, definitely. There's so much more to see, especially during the daytime. So if you find yourself back in Muledong, just let me know. All right, guys, let's call it a night. Thanks a lot for coming out. Thank you. Thanks.